Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With Mike Glennon's poor start to the year leaving them with little choice, the Trubisky era gets underway ahead of schedule when Mitchell and the Bears take on the Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football. Will the future get off to a bright start, or did we jump the gun? Chris Gates from The Daily Norseman joins us on the Week 5 preview episode of The Chicago Bears Review. Oh, yeah. Excuse my lateness, everybody. But I can explain. But here I am in the best mood possible on Friday night to bring you the latest episode of the Chicago Bears View. What's going on, everybody? The week five preview episode of the show. And again, I apologize for my lateness. Um, I have no excuse. Well, I have excuses if you want to hear them. Here they go. Uh, last night on Thursday, uh, I was uh, exhausted. Had a tough day at work. Came home, had some dinner, sat down, watched the Thursday night football game between uh, New England and Tampa Bay, and forgot for the moment, anyway, uh, in my exhaustiveness, that uh, Thursday night football games suck. And uh, I fell asleep. I was bored to death with the game, and I dozed off. Next thing I knew, it was uh, like nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and. Uh, you know, it was just too late. So I just went to bed, um, took advantage of the fact that we have an extra day because the Bears and the Vikings play on Monday and not Sunday. However, uh, the only excuse I have for my lateness tonight and that I'm getting the show started at 940 on Friday night central time is I was watching the Cubs, man. It's postseason baseball. The Cubbies were in Washington playing the Nationals. Shut them out. Three nothing or up one nothing in the NLDS. We got Lester on the mound tomorrow night. I can't wait. It's awesome. So there you go. And uh, like uh, our good friend Johnny Kent, may he rest in peace, just got paid. So uh, I got tons of reasons to be in a good mood. Friday night, got paid. Cubbies won, you know. And for us Bear fans, the Trubisky era begins on Monday night. So, um, you know, you guys know how I feel about this. You'll hear me talk about it a bit with our guest here in a few minutes. Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman of SB Nation. Um, you know, I would prefer um, with where the team is currently, you know, as far as roster and talent level and so on and so forth, I would have preferred that Glennon played well enough to keep the job, give Trubisky a year to learn, um, you know, and then take the offseason, take the chance with the offseason and the draft to improve the tools around him most uh, markedly are wide receiving core you know maybe we uh, go out and we you know get ourselves a good receiver we draft one you know what have you maybe we make another trade I don't know but um, you know the way Glennon played in those first four games there's uh, you know really couldn't defend it anymore you know because my contention was never that I didn't think Trubisky was ready it's that the team wasn't ready that was my stance from the second that we drafted him that's why I didn't want to draft the quarterback the team wasn't ready to take on a young quarterback yet and I still feel that way however you know we know the kid can play we saw him do what he did in the preseason making the guys around him better you know being productive um you know where he was uh you know on the field and Glennon has not been you know the thing that's uh you know, I'm a stickler for some things, and everyone's been saying that Glennon's turned the ball eight times, turned over the ball eight times 
in four games. That's absolutely not true. He didn't turn the ball eight, eight he didn't turn the ball over eight times in four games. He turned the ball eight times turned the ball over eight times in three games because he didn't have a turnover against the Falcons. So that's worse. He had eight turnovers in three games, not four. You know, he played in four games. He did his eight turnovers in the last three, and that's why he's going to be watching uh, from the sidelines instead of playing on Monday Night Football against the Minnesota Vikings. So, um, you know, there it is. Um, You know, I'm excited. It was announced. It was either like Monday or Tuesday that it was announced uh, officially that Trubisky was going to start on on Monday, and it's been all the rage. You know, the anticipation, waiting to see this kid uh, under center Monday night against the uh, against the Vikings. So we had a great conversation with uh, Chris Gates about where the Vikings are right now with their quarterback situation, the improvement of their offensive line, how bad losing Dalvin Cook hurts their running game, and, uh, you know, how it's not exactly ideal that uh, Trubisky takes on this uh, Minnesota Viking defense while also acknowledging the fact this kooky history that the Bears and the Vikings have where the record books are thrown out the window whenever they play because the home team always seems to have the upper hand. It's very rare for either team to win in, in the other guy's home. You know, the Vikings lasted it in, in 2015, and before that it was 2007 uh, since they had won in Chicago, and before then I don't even remember how long it had been since the Vikings stole a game from the Bears in Chicago. And the other way around, it's like the Bears won in Minnesota in 2006, and I think maybe like 2011 or something. And it, it, there's not a lot of wins in the Metrodome or the the U.S. Bank Stadium uh, for the Bears, you know, either. So it's uh, it's been a weird uh, situation between those two teams, where the home team seems to have the upper hand no matter how good or bad the teams are. I mean, we go back to you know if you want to talk about Monday Night Football, 2009. The Vikings are playing for home field advantage in the NFC. The Bears are just trying not to drop the embarrass themselves on national television. And, you know, Devin Aroma should catches 140 yards where the passes and two touchdowns, including the walk off touchdown in overtime that won the game. You know, and I think it actually it cost the Vikings home field advantage to where they're playing the NFC championship game in New Orleans instead of Minnesota. So, you know, it's weird. It, uh, the way it goes down in that series. Uh, so, you know, we have that optimism where we have the rookie. We have the, you know, the crowd's going to be way into the game, especially if Trubisky comes out hot. And, uh, you know, then you have the, the history uh, of uh, the Bears always winning in Chicago and uh, the Vikings. I mean, just look at last year for Pete's sake. Monday Night Football, the Bears are 1-6, looking to not be embarrassed against a 5-1 and one team uh, last season. And if, you know, I think I even said this to, to Chris in the, in the interview was that, uh, if you'd have told a lay person, someone who's not a football fan, that the, the two teams that are playing here, one of them is one in six and one of the worst teams in the league. The other one is five and one, you know, and looking like a playoff team, you would have guessed wrong as to which was which on that particular night. So, you know, that's just how it goes in this, uh, this kooky series that we have between the bears and the Vikings. So One thing that I did want to get... This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Two, before we get to our talk with uh, Chris Gates, um, I saw an interesting tweet on Twitter, which is usually where you see tweets. Um, somebody uh, tweeted, uh, like it was like Bears 24-7 or Chicago Bears 24-7, I 
I think was the handle, was basically what's if you could go back and change one thing in Bears history in recent memory, what would it be? And I, you know, tapped on it to see what some of the responses were. And they're, you know, they're typical, you know, uh, obviously a lot of people pick Super Bowl 41. So the Bears would beat the Colts. Uh, so there were some choices out there, the 2010 NFC Championship game so that the Bears beat the Packers and go to the Super Bowl uh, against the Steelers, Super Bowl 45. Um, obviously, a number one that was uh, pretty hot was uh, hiring Bruce Arians instead of Mark Tressman. That was a popular one. Not hiring Phil Emery was a big one as well. Um, I threw a couple in there. Uh, the 2007 draft, because aside from Greg Olson, what the hell did we get out of the 27? Because our second round pick, Dan Bazoon, and our third round pick, Michael Okwo, never played a down for the Bears. Your second and third round picks, that's, you know, Olin Krutz was a third round pick, Lance Briggs was a third round pick, Peanut Tillman, second rounder, Mike Brown was a second rounder. These are guys that are supposed to deliver for you. They didn't play a snap for the defending NFC champion uh team it's a you know just an awful awful one of the worst of all time that we ever had i mean it was like you know we had adrian peterson in that draft so we got a couple years out of him we had garrett wolf in that draft and greg olson who was another regret not trading greg olson was also on the list um for me i threw in um not drafting um or drafting chandler jones instead of shea mcclellan because um you know to, to draft an actual pass rusher instead of whatever the hell Shane McClellan was supposed to be. Um, you know, he went to the Patriots and won a Super Bowl. And I mean Chandler Jones, even though Shane McClellan actually just did that. Um, but number one for me, um, the one that I definitely uh, enjoyed the most or agreed with the most that I thought would have had the biggest am impact over a long period of time was uh, actually suggested by uh, Deacon Yamouf, who have actually... Um, who's, you know, sent me some tweets from time to time during games and, uh, and what have you. Um, his suggestion was the 2005 NFL draft. And instead of taking Cedric Benson, number four overall, which was a tremendous mistake, draft Aaron Rodgers. Because uh, the 49ers passed on taking him at number one. Therefore, he was available at number four. And he was available for another 20 picks, as I think... Green Bay didn't get around to picking him till like 23 or 24. So we pick Aaron Rodgers, then the rookie quarterback that starts that year is Aaron Rodgers and not Kyle Orton. And, um, you know, you have that rookie quarterback on the field with uh, on the other side of a defense that allowed less than 10 points like seven or eight times in 2005 by far. The best defense that Lovey ever put out on the field was that one in 2005. They were monsters. And, um, you know, it the only thing that kept the Bears from winning the Super Bowl in 2005 was our offense. Because even though we had, like, the best defense in the NFL that year, uh, our offense was atrocious. That's why we lost the game to Carolina. They jumped out in front with that quick 14 to nothing lead or 10 nothing to lead, whatever it was, right off the bat. And that was all they needed. You know, that was more points than, than they would need uh, all night long uh, against the Bears because our offense just didn't have it to, to, to get into a shootout with somebody. You know, the Bears were the ball control, you know, you get it down the field, suck up as much time as possible, and then you can't score against our defense. Well, on the off chance that you get a couple of big plays in there and you get out in front of the Bears early, Nah, you got a great shot, and that's what happened in that game. If we have Aaron Rodgers, we got a little more firepower. He makes all the guys around him better. I mean, look at what he's done in Green Bay with, uh, you know, you basically put anybody out there on the field with him, and they're superstars, you know what I mean? So we get Aaron Rodgers, you know, we probably we have a better shot of, of success in 2005. We probably definitely win the Super Bowl in 2006. 2007 and so on and for a lot of you guys we never needed jay cutler uh we never have to trade thomas jones to the jets and watch him rush for a thousand yards for like four or five more times before he finally retired um you know and god only knows what other ramifications there might have been you know uh the only other thing that i can think of is that uh rogers may have been 
retired by now because he was basically kept in his, you know, kept in his casing, you know, like a, like an action figure, uh, for the first three years of his career. He didn't start until 2008. He was playing behind Favre all that time. Well, with, you know, playing behind the paper doll that was Rex Grossman, he'd have been on the field immediately in 2005 and probably never would have gotten rid of the job or, and, uh, you know, we may have gotten something for Rex Grossman trading him away or something like that. So, I mean, I think that move there would probably have far reaching implications than waiting until 2013, uh, to hire Arians instead of Tressman to, uh, stop the bears from hiring, uh, Emory in 2012 or, or, or what have you, you know, with the, uh, I just think that probably would have been the better way to go. So Deacon, that was a excellent suggestion. As soon as I saw that one, I was like, Ooh, that's the one that's the move right there. We take Rogers and no more Rex Grossman. You know, we're the, the quarterback position is more than solidified. We have, you know, and Rex Grossman, he did a lot. He did a lot to kill us in that Super Bowl against the Colts in 06, you know, as good as he was at the start of 06, he, the Bears were winning despite him for like the last three quarters of the season instead of winning because of him. So if we got Rodgers out there, you know, a bit more competence on the field, a guy that knows how to stay healthy and has throughout the entire length of his career uh, for the most part, um, the Bears are probably a much better team long term and may have a, you know at least two right off the bat, if not more, championships uh, under their belt, and I would like to think at this point would have a severe uh, heavy hand or upper hand, I should say, in the uh, Bears-Packers uh, rivalry. We wouldn't be on the losing end of it right now the way that we are. So um, that was the one. When I saw that one, I was like, yeah, would like to win the Super Bowl, would like to go back and fix that championship game or you know, so on and so forth. But when I saw that one, don't take Benson, you keep Rodgers, so we never trade Thomas Jones away. Um, you know, and our odds of being better are exponentially, uh, improved, you know, the, the, the need to keep firing and hiring new offensive coordinators probably goes by the wayside because, you know, Ron Turner and, 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 and Aaron Rodgers probably would have worked great together, you know, so there you have it. So that's going to do it for, for that. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, will we go ahead and bring in our good friend, Chris Gates from the daily Norseman to help us preview week five bears Vikings, the beginning of the Trubisky era. The second quarter of 2017 begins on Monday night when our beloved Chicago Bears take on the Minnesota Vikings, their lone Monday night appearance of the season, and here to join us and help us preview this uh, this game between the Bears and the Vikings, our good friend from the Dale and Norseman, Chris Gates. Chris, welcome back to the show. I'm happy to be here, Larry. Happy to be here. So I don't know if you heard this, uh, Chris. You, you know, you know, with all the things going on in the country and and everything, you might have heard that the Bears are going to have a new starting quarterback on Monday. I did hear something about that, which yeah. is good because the one that they've been running out there the past four weeks has been not good. No, not good. no, you know, and here I was the guy that was uh, supporting him um, pretty much the whole way just because, and it's not because I didn't want Trubisky in there, you know, it's just that I didn't feel, and I still don't feel this way, but maybe things will change on Monday. We'll see that the team itself wasn't quite ready to throw Trubisky out there with, but uh, with the way that Mike Lennon has played the first four weeks of the season, how could I continue to argue against it? You know what I mean? Oh, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, the, the guys just looked, I've only gotten to see him a little bit. I saw a bit of the, uh, the green Bay game on Thursday night and yeah, he was, he was beyond terrible. Yeah. I mean, I know you guys gave him a lot of money to, hopefully not be terrible, but he's been awful. And the John Fox really doesn't have any choice at this point. I mean, I, I think the guy is coaching for his job mm-hmm. at this point. And, you know, if he wants to stay employed, I guess Trubisky is his best option at this point. Yeah. I mean, at this point, if, if Fox does want to keep his job, you know, it, it's, 
it's it's going to come down to Trubisky and how well he plays. You know, if he seems to thrive under the tutelage of John Fox and everything, wins or losses may not factor into it much as far as bringing him back for one more year because he's he's only signed a four year deal. He's got only got one year left, so. You know, I think maybe the progress of Trubisky in these last 12 games, if if he sticks around for the entire 12 games, Trubisky, I mean, is, uh, you know, probably what's going to weigh on whether or not John Fox will be sticking around in 2018. Uh, and, and, you know, logic says that this is not the optimal place for Trubisky to make his debut because you would think that a Mike Zimmer-led defense on, you know, <laughs> in prime time, and whatnot uh, would not be the ideal situation for him. But, you know, we've seen over the years that when these two teams get together at Soldier Field, it isn't always the ideal thing that ha- happens. Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, last year in, uh, in, the, in the same situation would probably be the best example of such. You know, the Vikings, 5-1, and one, you know, granted they were coming off their first loss of the season, but the Bears were 1-6. Going into that game, it didn't look like they had a snowball's chance in hell of beating what was, you know, the team that got off to the best start in the league last year. And, uh, you know, if if I'd have shown that game to, you know, a layperson that doesn't watch football or know anything about these teams, if I asked them to pick out the team that's five and one and the one that's one and six, they would have gotten it wrong that night. And, you know, it's just how funny that that this series can be in that home and home thing that these two teams seem to have. Yeah, I mean, the the Vikings have always been a bit snake-bitten at Soldier Field. I mean, they won when Adrian Peterson was a rookie, and then they didn't win there again until 2015. And, you know, like I said, weird things seem like they happen at Soldier Field, whether it's, you know, Devin Aroma should do lighting the Vikings up for, like, 140 yards and two scores and then completely disappearing again or whatever it might be. It's, It's just weird things happen when the Vikings go to soldier field and that's why i'm not quite willing to dismiss them right away even if they are running a rookie quarterback out there right i mean the you know we talked about it briefly before we got started and and how that uh, when the bears made the announcement on on monday or tuesday whenever it was that trubisky was going to start all of a sudden we as bear fans probably perked up a bit like oh well now we have a reason to look forward uh to monday night uh because even though that home and home thing is is there, you know, and granted the the Vikings lost last Sunday against the uh, Lions, you would have to think the same thing you thought last year, which is that, you know, the Bears don't stand a chance in this one. The Vikings are too good. But with Trubisky going in there, there's this sense of optimism that would not have been there if the Bears had decided to trudge Glennon out there one more time. Oh, I, I think the, as weird as it sounds, I think the Vikings would most definitely rather see Mike Glennon out there because you know that he's he's terrible and yeah. that he's been yeah. terrible and you know Trubisky has that bit of the unknown I mean granted you don't expect a rookie to go in there and completely light it up in his first start in prime time but you know it it, it can't be a whole lot worse than what Glennon was offering so we're gonna have to see what happens with that Right, and that's kind of the backhanded way that 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 a lot of people are are looking at this. I mean, even people like myself who would, you know, would rather that Glennon played well and kept his job and let the rookie, you know, grow underneath him, you know, if you will, is that, um, you know, there's no way that it can possibly get any worse if we threw Trubisky out there. And that's the thing. It, it kind of reminds me, that was sort of the plan that the Vikings originally had when they drafted Teddy Bridgewater back in 2014. And they, I mean, fans were calling for him to start during the preseason, and you know he looked good during his first preseason, but the plan was to have him sit for a year and you know just kind of grow and watch the game from the bench. And, you know, third game of the season, Matt Castle breaks his ankle, and the next thing you know, Teddy Bridgewater's your starting quarterback, and you know he had to grow on the field rather than on the sideline. Well, the Bears weren't as lucky, not you know, quote unquote lucky, as the Vikings were, where Teddy Bridgewater was forced into duty because of an injury. Uh, we had to sit there and uh, watch Mike Lennon break our hearts the first four weeks of the season uh, in order to have himself thrown onto the bench, as opposed to <laughs> having nature take its course and having it show him the bench. Uh, instead, so it was a far more painful process, I'm sure, no pun intended, 
than what you had to go through. Um, but, you know, it all seemed to work out, and uh, I hear that Teddy's doing well in his, uh, his rehab. Apparently, that is the case. I mean, the stories are coming out. You know, he's on the physically unable to perform list, uh, continuing on from the preseason. So by NFL rules, he has to miss the first six games. Uh, but a couple of the reporters have been saying that as soon as he's ready to come off the uh, pup list, uh, he is going to be good to go, which, you know, given where he's come from is just miraculous. Yeah. And it's going to it's going to throw a bit of a wrench into the Vikings quarterback situation, which already has enough moving parts. So, uh, you know, we're going to have to see how the team handles all that. It's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, you know, the last time that we talked uh, during the in the last season, when we talked at the end of the year, kind of marveled at the fact that the you know the the Viking offensive line wasn't up to the snu- wasn't up to the task last year and that uh, you know that would usually spell you know doom and gloom for a guy like Sam Bradford but miraculously he made it through the year reasonably well and played well on top of it and then this year you come into the season with what's supposed to be an improved offensive line and Bradford gets hurt um you know, was it something that happened in the game? Did he do it in practice? Because I know it's just a knee injury. Is, is he going to play this weekend, or what's the story with him? Well, the thing about the injury is that at this point, I don't, I still don't think anybody knows where exactly it occurred because, mm. you know, he played that first game against the Saints, and all the numbers from Pro Football Focus and whatnot said he got hit twice the entire game. He mm. got sacked once, he got hit one other time, and that was it. Otherwise, the Saints didn't lay a finger on him. And, you know, like you said, last year he got blasted because the offensive line was terrible and he managed to play all 15 games he was the starter for. But, you know, he shows up for the season opener this year, plays a game where he gets hit twice. And, you know, he finished the game against New Orleans. And, you know, after that, he's missed the last three weeks and nobody really seems to know what exactly happened. I mean, Zimmer hasn't been forthcoming about exactly when the injury occurred or anything like that. So it's... uh, it's still a pretty significant mystery, but it sounds like he's going to practice this week. And, you know, with the, the bone bruise or whatever it is that he has, um, the the thought was that it was going to be a four- to six-week recovery. And, you know, this is week five, so he's missed weeks two, three, and four. So this would be week four of recovery. So I guess there's a chance he comes back this week, but uh, there hasn't been any real solid indicator one way or the other yet. So it's it's been an up and down year thus far. I mean, you had that amazing night because I watched most of the game on Monday night, the first week of the season. I mean, Bradford and 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 Thielen, the wide receiver, had a huge game, and they're tossing the ball all over the place. The defense looks really good, and then um, you know Bradford doesn't play a week later against the um, Steelers, and the offense seems to disappear. Twenty six to nine, they lose that game. Week three, you come back thirty four points this time against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which made me fearful because the Bears just kind of snoozed their way through a 29-7 to loss to the Buccaneers the week before. And then last week, again, the offense, only seven points against the, the Lions. You, you, know, you lose to the Lions for the second time in two attempts in the new building. The Lions are undefeated in the new Metrodome. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I think our record at Ford Field is good enough where it kind of balanced <laughs> that out, at least uh, – at least to this point, hopefully next year they can get off the schneid as far as that goes. Right. So what's been going on with the offense? That I mean, I know week one you had Bradford, so that's pretty self-explanatory what was going on there. You had your best quarterback, and you know your offense played a great game. But weeks weeks two, three, and four, you're at nine points, thirty-four points, and then seven points. I mean, is it is it the competition, or did we just have better game plan against Tampa Bay than you did against the other two teams? I think the competition does have quite a bit to do with it. I mean, obviously the Steelers have always been great at uh, at Heinz Field. Uh, they're a pretty good football team. They're a contender in the AFC. And I think part of that, too, was the, the Vikings. I'm not sure when exactly it was they figured out that Bradford wasn't going to play. I'm pretty sure, if I remember rightly, they had him go out there uh, in the warm-up period before the game and test the knee, and it was at that point they decided to deactivate him so Keenum was kind of a last minute start there so that might have had something to do with it sure uh the Tampa Bay game I think they pretty well knew Keenum was going to start and you know design the game plan around them and 
you know, the Bucks had a ton of injuries. I mean, they had guys that had the flu that week, and they lost a couple of guys like during the game. Uh, yeah, what well, their their top linebacker was already out, and then their next best linebacker uh, suffered a high ankle sprain during the game, and they were pretty short-handed, so it was kind of easy for Keenum and company to tear them up. And you know, the the Lions and the Vikings have just been playing low-scoring games the last couple of years. I mean, I don't think anybody's broken twenty. Well. No, the the game at the at US Bank Stadium last year, the the Lions got to twenty two because they scored a touchdown in overtime. Right, but, but it took them uh, overtime to get there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the Vikings and the Lions just been playing, you know, twenty two sixteen and sixteen thirteen types of games, and you know, I I think some of that has to do with Dalvin Cook going out because he was having a significant uh, impact on the offense before he got injured. But, you know, I, I think there's a lot of moving parts there. And it, there's there's not one real solid explanation for why the, the up and down has occurred, although the, uh, the quarterback issue might have something to do with it. So how has Latavius Murray been? Because I know that that was supposed – I mean, that was like one of the big free agent signings you guys uh, landed was, was getting Murray from the Raiders to, quote-unquote, replace Adrian Peterson. But it was Cook that kind of took over the – the running back, uh, you know, starting position at least, being the main guy running the the ball. How has he been when he's had his chance? Well, Mur- yeah, Murray was dealing with an ankle injury for most of the preseason, hmm. which is why uh, Cook took over the way that he did. Uh, he hadn't gotten a whole lot of carries. Uh, he wound up with seven carries on Sunday after Cook went out, and that's been the most he's gotten in a game this year. Uh, and Cook has just been so impressive and so dynamic. There just hasn't been room for uh murray or jarek mckinnon to get a whole lot of carries in the backfield but now obviously cook is gone and murray's gonna have to step up and be the guy that the vikings thought was going to be their starter before draft weekend this past year and uh you know he said his ankle is still not a hundred percent but he's at the point where he can handle the load uh they did have some running backs in for some workouts today i think uh, steven ridley was in there uh, Bobby Rainey was in there for a workout and you know I don't I don't think anyone there could potentially sign this week is going to have a huge impact on Monday but uh, yeah they are looking to make some moves to solidify the backfield how are you guys doing injury wise I mean I know Cook going down and, and Bradford's still a question mark at this point but how's the rest of the team doing and the Vikings have actually been relatively healthy I mean they've had the Bradford issue uh, last week the only player besides Bradford that was listed on the injury report was uh, Rashad Hill who was a uh, backup offensive tackle uh, he actually wound up playing most of the game at left tackle uh, in last year's season finale against the Bears at U.S. Bank Stadium and performed pretty well but no the the injury report for the Vikings has not been very long I mean you've had a couple of guys that have had <coughs> a couple of injuries where they've been limited during the week uh, Anthony Barr, I think, has been among those names uh, once or twice. But, no, the, the Vikings are a relatively healthy football team, except for the uh, Bradford injury and now the injury to Dalvin Cook. And hopefully that's something that can continue uh, throughout the rest of the way. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, that was, a, that was a heck of a thing. You really hate to see that. I mean, and you know that it's bad immediately, especially when you see a guy go down with that non-contact knee injury. I mean, I know those words make Vikings fans sick because that's what happened to Bridgewater, you know, and they basically had to put his leg back together again. But then you see it happen again with the way that the knee just kind of collapsed underneath him, you know, on what was looking like a really good run. You know, he was looking to make a move and make his cut, and then his leg just gave out from underneath him, you know, to the point where he actually fumbled the ball reaching for that injured knee. Yeah, and you know, like you said, the the non-contact injuries are always you know the worst because you know he's putting all his weight on that leg to try to make a cut, and you know it just gives out. And it it sounds like from everything we've heard about it, and it probably sounds strange to phrase it this way, but it sounds like it's just the ACL mm-hmm. at this point, and you know he's obviously done for the rest of the year. But you know this isn't like. Dante Culpepper getting his entire knee destroyed or having uh, what happened to Teddy Bridgewater where there could have been nerve damage in the knee. It sounds like it's 
just the ACL right now. So uh, I don't think he's had the surgery yet, but uh, I'm sure he's going to have that here in the next couple of days and you know work on getting himself ready for 2018. Yeah, I guess the 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 positive number one is that it is, is just the the ACL, and that it happened at this point in the season. So there really won't be any real questions about whether or not he's going to be ready to, for the start of next year. Yeah, I mean, we had the uh, the Adrian Peterson injury in 2011, the second to last game of the season. But you know, you hate to compare anybody physically to in his prime Adrian Peterson when it comes to recovery and whatnot but yeah it if there is a a bright uh, bright side or anything like that like you said it is that it happened you know in early october as opposed to like december or january right <laughs> right so um how has the offensive line been i mean I, when i got to watch um on monday night i mean the saints don't have a very good defense i mean re- despite what they did to jay cutler and the dolphins uh on sunday um, their defense is pretty much, you know, still kind of full of holes, and, and Bradford and company certainly had their way with them. But how was the offensive line holding up against the Steelers and the Buccaneers and uh, and the Lions the past couple of weeks? Uh, the offensive line has actually been pretty impressive over the uh, the first quarter of the season here. Uh, like you said, the the Saints game is probably not the best gauge because their defense is not very good, and you know they had some issues against the Steelers, but. As we already covered, the Steelers have a pretty solid defense, and you know a lot of that probably had to do with the transition to quarterback and you know being unsure and kind of trailing big time on the road. Um, they went back to looking pretty good again against Tampa Bay and Detroit. Uh, there were a couple of uh, miscues against the Lions, uh, particularly the uh, third down and goal sack that uh, Case Keenum took when he changed the uh, the line protections. But, you know, given what this team had on the offensive line last year, it has been pretty much a night and day difference. I mean, there's no, uh, you know, fear that the uh, the quarterback is going to get killed on just about every snap. <laughs> and, you know, that, that gives him the opportunity, whether it's Bradford or Keenum, to find receivers for passes that actually travel more than five yards down the field, which has opened up the offense quite a bit for the uh, – for the Vikings through the first four weeks. So, I mean, talking about Case Keenum, you know, I mean, we just got done, the Bears did, with a with a four-week spell where we kept hearing about how the Bears are limited in their play calling with the guy that they had pegged as a starter from day one, and now throwing Trubisky out there, who was a more athletic uh, quarterback, that we're suddenly going to see <laughs> more of the offense than we had seen before or different things that we hadn't been seeing because of Glennon's quote-unquote limitations. Um, is it the other way around with you guys? Like you have an offense, it's a wide-open book when Bradford is there, but when Keenan's out there, you can only focus on this, that, or or the other. Or did we go out and sign Keenum, I keep saying Keenan, Keenum, because you know he can also deliver what Bradford can? I, I think Keenum can do most of what Bradford can do. Uh, Keenum is more athletic than Bradford. Obviously, he can move around a little bit more, extend plays if he has to. Uh, I think Bradford has significantly more arm talent than Keenum does, okay. even though Keenum can make all the throws. But, you know, Bradford, uh, I mean, Bradford was a number one overall draft pick once. And, you know, the guy obviously has talent, and there are going to be things that, you know, his accuracy is way greater are much much greater than Keenum's is and you know there are just things that this offense is going to be able to do with Bradford in there that they can't do you know, with Keenum in there because of that uh, lack of accuracy I mean not that Keenum is a uh, a slouch or anything really but you know I, I think everyone pretty much wishes that uh, or hopes that Bradford is going to be back this week and on the uh, on the defensive side, you know, you, you you had the you had the good start against New Orleans, um, which actually is difficult because New Orleans, as poor as they are on defense, are actually really good uh, on offense. Um, then uh, you know the the game against uh, Pittsburgh, and then you know you bounce back against Tampa Bay. Seemingly had an awesome game last week against the Lions. You just couldn't figure out how to outscore them on on offense so i mean from my perspective looks like the defense is doing pretty well or 
as well as they should at this point. The defense really has been uh, pretty good this year so far. I mean, the Steelers game, uh, there was a couple of stupid plays. I mean, they shot themselves in the foot a lot, uh, jumping off sides on fourth and one. Uh, Trey Waynes had a pretty huge pass interference penalty covering Martavis Bryant. And, you know, if you're going to go into a place like Pittsburgh, I mean, I know the Bears beat the Steelers and whatnot, but, you know, if you're going to go into a place like Pittsburgh, uh, you got to be almost flawless. And the Vikings were definitely not that afternoon. I believe it was either 11 or 12 penalties for almost 150 penalty yards. And you're not going to beat anybody that way. But, you know, the, the Vikings have faced some pretty good offenses. I mean, Tampa Bay's got a solid offense. Uh, Detroit was putting up a lot of points before this last weekend. And, you know, Detroit put up 11 of their 14 points because on consecutive plays, the Vikings caught the ball up and handed it to them in Minnesota territory, which is not a recipe for success either. Right. But, you know, they, they've been given short fields. I mean, they're getting off the field on third down and, you know, this, this is the defense that we expect to see from Minnesota. And, you know, through the first four weeks against the offenses they played, I think all things considered, they've been doing a, uh, a pretty outstanding job. So um, we're going into this game on Monday night. And like we've talked about before, the Bears and Vikings have this weird history of basically being unbeatable in their own home building. Uh, and believe it or not, that's actually what the Bears had going for them against the Steelers. Um, a, a stat that I had dug up before the game said that uh, in the all-time series, number one, the Bears are way ahead on the all-time, like 22-7 to seven or something like that. But their record in Chicago before the game week three, or week, was it week two? Week three, week three, was 12-1 uh, and one in Chicago. The Bears wow. were basically undefeated against the the Steelers <laughs> in Chicago. They're twelve, and their only victory was in nineteen ninety five uh, against the Bears. So they had history on their side. Uh, one would you know would would you know even though it was a shock to see the Bears play as well as they did against the Vikings, taking the history into account wasn't all that surprising. Um, and then this game with the Trubisky debut on top of it, you know it's it's perfect for the whole catching the league with its pants down kind of thing to see the Bears, you know, kind of sneak a win out of this one uh, on Monday night as, uh, as well. So would you have the same level of shock if the Bears pulled this one off that you probably did last year? I, I absolutely would because, you know, like I said earlier, you would think that a Mike Zimmer defense with extra time to prepare for yeah. a rookie quarterback – making his first real NFL appearance in a primetime game, you would think that the Vikings would go out there and just rip the Bears in half and walk out with the wind and start looking to uh, to Green Bay the next week. But there are just too many weird things that happen in this series to just go ahead and say, oh, the, the Vikings have this one locked up and you know chalk it up and put it in the win column because – you just have to look back at history and say that that's not a good indicator for Minnesota's chances. Yeah, because, uh, you know, even as a Bear fan last year, the, the best that we could have hoped for going into that game was that the Bears would not embarrass themselves. It's national TV, guys. Let's keep it nice. You know, let's let's keep it respectable. Let's only lose by a couple of touchdowns instead of five of them or uh, or what have you, and then for them to come out and play the way they did, it's like, who the hell are these guys? Where have they been all season uh, kind of thing? But, um, you know, if the Bears do manage to pull it off on uh, on Monday night, I think I have an outside reason as to why that might be possible. Chris, would you like to hear my theory? Go for it. Okay. I think that it will be because the force is with young Trubisky. <laughs> Because as we talked about before the show, uh, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker himself, tweeted kind of innocuously a couple of weeks ago that uh, that everyone should watch the Monday night game on October 9th for no reason at all, which has led the entire you know social media universe to believe that there's going to be a brand new Star Wars trailer being played during the game at some point, probably at halftime or... Or, or what have you, and uh, you know the debut of Trubisky kind of coincided with that. It's just 
a little too much of a coinky ding for us Bear fans to think that anything else is going to happen on Monday night. Well, I I can't argue your logic. I mean, that does make sense. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if the if the game looks like the way it did last year, they might want to save that trailer for like the third or the fourth quarter just to make sure people don't turn their TV sets to <laughs> you know Monday Night Raw or something else because right. you know or the Cubs game. That's, Last year's game was atrocious after about the, well, probably not for you guys, but no, for no, us, no. it was a pretty atrocious until, you know, right at the very end when they actually managed to get a garbage time touchdown. But, right. Well, it was yeah. it was one of three victories for us last year, Chris. So we savored every minute, believe me. <laughs> uh, we savored every second of, of what looked like a dominant win for the Bears. It didn't happen much last season. So, I mean, at least you guys were 500. You won half of your games last year. We, on the other hand, won less than a quarter uh, of ours. So you bet bet your ass we watched all 60 minutes of that game uh, that year. But we're also competing against game three of the NLDS, which will be the first game in Chicago between the Nationals and the Cubs as well. So, I mean, if, uh, you know, if any Cub fans like myself – uh, you know, all we need is for the Bears to kind of show up the way they did against Green Bay, and there'll be a lot of people switching over to TBS or whatever <laughs> channel that game is on. I I guarantee it. Well, I I can imagine, and we uh, we went through that last night with the wild card playoff yeah. game where oh, they, wow. things yeah. were things were awesome for the first half an inning, and then the eight innings that came after that were not nearly as enjoyable as the first half inning was. But mm. you know. They they had a good run. They lost 103 games last year, and now they made the playoffs this season. First, uh, I believe they said they were the first major league team to go from losing 100 games one year to making the playoffs the next season. So they're, they're going to be around for a while. So there's really nothing to feel ashamed about there, I don't think. So if, if Keenum is the quarterback, um, what can we expect to see from the offense on Monday night? I, I think... Contrary to what they've had to do the past few weeks with uh, Dalvin Cook uh, kind of running to set up the pass, I think they're going to have to kind of do a 180 and attempt to use the uh, pass to set up the run. Mm. Uh, I don't know if the uh, the Bears' secondary has been solid this year or not, but I know that uh, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen have been uh, lighting up just about everything in their paths, and this will be the first game for uh, Michael Floyd will be back after his uh, four-game suspension that he had to serve. So uh, he's hope- he's probably going to be the number three guy right away and work himself into the offense. And, you know, with no disrespect intended for uh, Latavius Murray or Jarek McKinnon, uh, they're not quite on the level that Dalvin Cook is. And so the, the strength of the Minnesota offense is going to shift from the run to the pass and – you know, it's going to be up to the uh, the Bears secondary and the Bears pass rush to see if they can keep up. Well, you know, that's the one thing that does actually concern me. I mean, granted, we were going to have our hands full with Dalvin Cook, but if you had to pick a strength on the defensive side for the Bears, it was it's against the run. You know, uh, Le'Veon Bell was not a factor in the football game with the Steelers. Freeman and, and Coleman, the quote-unquote best duo in football, um, you know, total 60-something yards in the first game of the year. They never really got a, much of a running game going against Tampa Bay. The Bears are good against the run, almost great even. I think number three in the league going into the Green Bay game. But the thing that does worry me about our offense, it's not so much the secondary, but just the fact that there are definitely parts of the field. And I, I think it might be a scheme thing with Fangio's defense that – that second level between the safety and the, the linebacker. And that's where I see a lot of the Viking. They like to run those deep crossing patterns in the second level uh, of between the second and third level of the defense. And I think that, um, you know, if you guys can, uh, you know, put together a plan that has Thielen and, and Diggs and company spending a lot of their time in that portion of the field, that might make for a long night for the Bears secondary. And it wouldn't surprise me if that's exactly what happened. I mean, Floyd is a big physical guy, and he's averaged, uh, I believe it's about 16 yards a catch over his career. Uh, Diggs and Thielen, I believe right now, are, I believe Diggs is number one, and Thielen is number three in receiving yardage in the NFL. Nobody saw that coming, uh, coming into this season, given the way the, the Vikings pass offense looked last year. But, yeah. you know, it, I, I think we're going to see a lot of that. Uh, I'm not sure how many t- 
teams in the league have anyone that can hang with Stefan Diggs at this point. But, uh, you know, I, I think you're going to see a lot of that, uh, like you said, the deep crossing routes in the middle of the field and, you know, quicker passes to, uh, to Diggs as well so that he can get himself out in the open field. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's the transformation we're going to have to see in the Vikings offense going forward. Now, you know, from the sound of it, it doesn't look like he's had to face it much, but how does Keenum handle pressure? Do you see him kind uh, of – does he seem to panic? Does he seem to get happy feet? Does he throw the ball – You know, does he get rid of it? Does How well does he handle being under pressure? He has a – like I said, he has more athleticism than Bradford does, so he can kind of roll out of the pocket and throw it into the third row of the seats if he has to. Hmm. Uh, I don't think he's taken very many sacks. I think in the three starts he's had, he's taken three. I think, yeah, I think they're averaging about one a game given up. So, you know, he does get rid of the ball. I mean, he does make the occasional throw where you wonder what the heck he was looking at. Uh, maybe tries to force the ball into a, a smaller area every so often. But for the most part, he actually handles the pressure relatively well. But, you know, the Vikings have not been allowing as much pressure so far as they did last season so hopefully it uh, it won't be something we have to deal with that many times all right well i think that will do it for us uh chris i appreciate you coming uh back on uh we meet again week 17 for what the third time in four years so we'll have a chat uh sometime between christmas and the new year and uh you know um uh, i uh, i look forward to the game on Monday to see how well the rookie does, win, lose, or draw. I just want the kid to play well, and hopefully you guys will uh, take it easy on us this week. Well, it, it should be interesting. I mean, if anyone is, uh, like I said, if it's going to happen against any team, it's going to happen against the Vikings at Soldier Field. Right. So we're, we're going to have to see. But, uh, you know, hopefully, I mean, if the Vikings lose this one, it's probably going to be a long rest of the season for this team. So hopefully they can uh, they can pull one out here in Chicago on Monday night. Well, you know, I, I told you before the season when we talked during the summer that I really liked the team, that uh, I thought that a lot of people were kind of sleeping on the Vikings, especially with their their defense and, and, and whatnot, that no one should be surprised if this turns out to be an 11-5 and playoff team. It's, uh, you know, I know that you're the enemy, Chris, but I wouldn't get down if you managed to lose this one. It's, you know, you're only five <laughs> games in. There's a lot of football left to be played. And, uh, you know, I have faith the Vikings are going to turn it around no matter what happens on Monday night. Well, I appreciate that, but I, I think we'd like to get a win in this one all the same. The cautious optimism of Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman. Uh, you guys have a podcast now, or is uh, I mean, I'm sure everyone's getting around to that. You guys have one, don't you? Uh, we actually have two that wow. are uh, affiliated with the site. We have one that's more of a uh, analytical, I, I don't want to say nerdcast or anything like that, but they <laughs> get more into the, the analytics and the stats. It's called Norse Code. And uh, we also have one that's uh, kind of for the more casual type of fan called uh, Roughing the Podcast. And those are both uh, available on uh, on the Daily Norseman. We'd have a, uh, a couple of things set up so that whenever there's a new episode, it, uh, it automatically gets linked there. All right. All right. And you can always see Chris on, uh, on the Daily Norseman site and follow him on Twitter like I do. And uh, Chris, we appreciate you uh, coming back on the show. We'll see you week 17. Yes, you will, Larry. Thank you very much for having me once again. Hobby, yelling, skull to the ball, to the ball. Purple brain in control. Remember when they tried to say that we would never blow? Blow. Now we the kings of the north. Hobby, yelling, skull to the ball, to the ball. Purple brain in control. Remember when they tried to say that we would never blow? Blow. I want to thank Chris Gates for being on the show and uh, appreciate his uh, insight and sharing what we can expect from the Vikings, whether it be Case Keenum or Sam Bradford that's out there uh, on Monday night. That's actually the one thing we haven't talked about yet. Let me go ahead and pull the injury report up here. And uh, Well, actually, it's... Uh, pretty optimistic actually uh looking at this i mean the bears still have one more day uh of practice because um they don't play until um monday so they don't have to declare the doubtfuls and the probables and and whatnot until saturday 48 hours before the game starts and uh you know there are only four names on this list uh right now it's Heronis grassu um 
uh, still uh, nursing that hand injury. He's limited in practice. Uh, Keem Hicks apparently has a foot injury. I didn't know about that. Uh, but he was in limited Thursday and Friday. Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski has not practiced yet. No big surprise there. Haven't heard much about the progress of the injury or what his prognosis is as far as when he'll begin practicing or anything like that. We just know he's not done for the season and he's not on injured reserve either. And then the most curious one would be Willie Young. Um, has a tricep injury of some kind. Um, was limited on Thursday. Did not practice today on Friday. So that's something we want to keep an eye on. You know, Willie Young, I believe at this point, is the leading sacker on the team if it's not Akeem Hicks. Because uh, Akeem had two against the Falcons and then another one against Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't think we've heard from him since as far as uh, the sack total is concerned. But I think Willie Young has got like three or four thus far that that, that leads the team. And, um, you know, it's uh, it would be a big loss if uh, he didn't play uh, on Monday. So we'll keep an eye on on the Willie Young. But the name's not on this list. Kyle Long's not on the list anymore. Uh, Jordan Howard is not on this list. Josh Sitton is not on that list, which is huge for Trubisky to have his interior linemen in there, Sitton and Long, not to mention a healthy Jordan Howard behind him. You know, the fiery Tariq Cohen. I mean, you know, it's ideal, you know, to have the best interior offensive lineman in football uh, to be healthy and in front of you. Uh, on your debut and you know national tv and the bright lights and all that kind of stuff you wonder how much that's going to factor into it the fact that it's his first nfl start is big enough we know we're raising the stakes it's a divisional game we're coming off a loss to green bay it's national television it's the only game in town literally uh actually it's not literally because i did mention the cubs and the nationals uh, are playing in Wrigley on Chicago. So uh, if the stands are half empty on Monday night, you know where the rest of every, you know where the rest of the crowd went. Uh, they went to Wrigleyville to see if the Cubs. Uh, well, I mean, if they can, if they win tomorrow night, Monday night will be an elimination game. They could close out the NLDS and and book their ticket to the NLCS if they can win tomorrow night and then shut it down on Monday. So uh, knock on, knock on wood that that is the case. So uh, there you have it. But. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, it's nice to see the injury report shrinking as opposed to throughout the course of the season, watching it grow and then watching the names on the injured reserve list continue to expand uh, as well. So, I mean, it's um, this was a, uh, a good uh, rest period, apparently, because our uh, it looks like we have about half as many names as we had going into the Green Bay game. And, you know, the names that were worrisome aren't on this list anymore. No Josh Sitton, no no Jordan Howard, uh, and so on. So um, that gives me a bit of optimism going into this thing that we might actually have, you know, as close to a healthy football team as we can uh, going into this all-important game on, on Monday. So because we're still in the midst of that first eight games, obviously. And, you know, as we've talked about many, many times since the schedule was released, based on the way they finished in 2016, the first eight games, the Bears are in the top five or the top three as far as strength of schedule, you know, for their opponents in the first eight weeks of the season. You know, we're one and three, which is, I guess, as good as we could have asked for. Uh, you know, best case scenario, we should be two and two with the win over Atlanta to start things out. And, you know, would have been great if we'd have pulled that one off. But we did get that win against Pittsburgh. Which, um, you know, if we're thinking glass half full is, um, or actually it's probably a pessimistic view, but if we're thinking glass half empty, actually, uh, this is probably as good as we could hope for, um, with that first four games that we had, you know, three playoff teams and a team that's supposed to make the playoffs this year. And now we're in the second half of that, uh, that top eight, we got Minnesota who looks like a team that's headed back to the playoffs. If it can get some consistency on offense, you have the Panthers, who appear to be more 2015 Panthers than 2016 Panthers. Oh, I take that back. We got the Ravens next week. We got the Ravens, who are struggling at the moment, but, you know, started off 2-0. They've lost the last two. They're kind of, yeah, they are struggling at the moment, but um, still a decent team. Then the Panthers, who are more 2015 Panthers than the 2016 team that got, you know, snookered the whole way through the season. And then 
finally you have the Saints in the Metrodome where they're where they win more than they lose. And um, you know. So once we get through that, we got we gotta start off with Green Bay, which will suck, but it starts to get easier from there. You know, we got San Francisco, we got Philadelphia, um, who's playing well, but um, you know, they're still the Eagles. We got the Bengals who are not playing well, we got the Browns who Won the preseason, but uh, not won since. And, uh, you know, we got our two games with the Lions. And, uh, you know, we, we got uh, four of our six divisional games in that last half. The the Bengals, the Browns, the 49ers, and the Eagles. The second half of the season looks especially good uh, as far as, you know, bettering our chances to, to win some ball games. So we'll, uh, we'll see what goes. But uh, the second half is not as – the second half of this top eight – not as brutal as the top half was, but still tough, you know, especially kicking things off with our rookie quarterback on national TV against one of the better defenses uh, in football. So as far as keys to the game, it's the same as it was even when Glennon was in there. Only I like our chances a little bit better uh, pulling it off. Um, number one, to mix it up on offense. We can't just run the football all the time. The defenses will see that coming. Uh, I think Trubisky's mobility in the pocket and his pocket awareness, which uh, was a null and void deal with Mike Lennon, I think will help us to, to at least extend some plays. Maybe he can make some first downs on his feet. You know, I think I like our chances better there. And it's supposed to open up the offense a bit. So maybe we'll see some more of those, those crossing routes we saw a lot of in the preseason. Maybe we get the tight ends more involved, that kind of thing. Uh, on Monday night so but um, you know don't negate what the crowd will um, contribute uh, on Monday like I said especially if Trubisky comes out hot you know there are few fan bases in the league as rabid as us bear fans especially when our team is playing well now this is something a lot of us have wanted from the beginning and a lot of us have really really wanted since the preseason I've been banging the drum pounding the chest and screaming at the top of their lungs for it to be Trubisky out there. And there he is. And those people are going to go nuts on Monday night. So, um, you know, especially if Trubisky plays well, it's going to be, I told you so all night long. <laughs> it's going to be, I told you so, you know, it is. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm excited. I am looking forward to it. Whereas I was not after that Thursday night debacle. So, um, it's going to be interesting. You know, I am definitely looking forward to it. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's the same as it was with Glennon. Hang on to the football. Hang, you know, hang on to the football as far as, like, not turning it over. Hang on to it. Keep it out of Minnesota's hands because Thielen and Stefan Diggs seem to be dangerous no matter who the quarterback is. Um, you know, don't let uh, Latavius Murray make his career on you. Uh, you know, he's going to be getting his first start as the starter now that Dalvin Cook is down. Uh, he and Jared McKinnon, that's uh, that's their game to play now. And uh, don't let Latavius Murray steal the game out from under you because, you know, you didn't respect the run because Cook's not in there anymore. So, um, you know, don't turn the football over and don't beat yourself. You know, if we do that, we've proven already, even with Mike Glennon as our quarterback, if we can not beat ourselves, we're a difficult team to beat. So... You know, if the Bears can manage that, it's it's not easy, easy, much easier said than done. But if they can manage that, then I really love our chances going into it. Not to mention, you know, the whole the history thing that's on our side as well. You know, if you want to be superstitious about it, you know, going into that Pittsburgh game, we were 12 and one all time in Chicago against the Steelers. We managed to bump that up to 13 and one. And here we go. In the last, you know, just in the last 10 years, from 2007 until now, the Bears are 8-2 and two at home against the Minnesota Vikings. So, And we've had some pretty crappy teams take the field in Soldier Field against the Vikings, and we still come away with victories. So, uh, you know, like I said, I'm liking our chances um, coming into this game on Sunday. We definitely can win this game. It would not be the biggest shock in the world if Trubisky and the Bears won this game on on uh on monday so it would be a nice boost for the team going forward uh to give them some confidence going into the game in baltimore against the ravens one of the tougher places to play and um you know see if we can get this trubisky era rolling uh in the right direction you know get off on the right foot and every other little cliche you can think of um 
you know, we're definitely capable of it. You know, on the offensive side, it's, you know, hang on to the ball, no turnovers, don't beat yourself. On defense, it's, uh, you know, get after that passer, whether it's uh, Bradford or it's Keenum. Get after him. Uh, force some turnovers of your own, you know, kind of like the, the blueprint that you used to beat the Steelers, a team that pounded Minnesota week two. But, you know, get after Roethlisberger, you force some mistakes, you get some turnovers, get on get on the board and make Minnesota play from behind, and we'll have a great chance uh, to win on Monday. So that is what I'm liking, you know, going into this game. So if I was still running my pick'em game, I would actually, just because of all of it, the, all the factors involved, I would pick the Bears to win this game. You know, granted, I'd be low on the confidence scale, maybe like a, a three or a four out of uh, their only 14 games. So three out of four out of 14 this week. Yeah, that's probably where I'd be. But, um, you know, I'd still be picking the Bears uh, uh, to win. I just got a, like I said before the Pittsburgh game, I just got a feeling. I had a feeling we're going to steal this one. So anyway, I think that will do it. So uh, we're going to go ahead and close this up. We will be back on Tuesday to wrap this game up and, and talk about it. Was the force with young Trubisky? Did the Jedi uh, help Trubisky use the force to a victory uh, on Monday night? Or, uh, you know, are the Vikings a bust a bunch of Sith Lords who uh, are taking over the Empire again? Is that enough Star Wars stuff for you guys? Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I love Star Wars. I always have, but I'm just not a Star Wars nerd. But, uh, you know, looking forward to the trailer, looking forward to the game. Looking forward to having you back on Tuesday. Hopefully it will be a Victory Tuesday episode next time. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.